Amen. So James chapter three, we're going to begin in verse number five. We're talking about the tongue. Now we're not, we're talking about tongues. We're talking about the tongue. How many of you know that there's, there is a difference, but there actually is not a difference because sometimes people will gossip in English and pray in tongues (laughs) and these things ought not be. So whenever you talk about tongues and tongue, they, they are different, but they really run the same vein. And how astonishing is it that out of one side of the mouth, somebody can pray in tongues or in the other side of their mouth, they can tear somebody down and scandalize them and rip them apart with their mouth. And so what, we're, what, what James is looking at in, in, in chapter three is, is the tongue. And the tongue actually reveals a lot about an individual. You know that Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know that you got to have a tongue to speak. And so the, the tongue will tell on you. Your actions will tell on you, but your tongue will tell on you as well. You, you, you can hide it in front of some people, but eventually truth's going to come out, isn't it? Amen. You know, how many of y'all know that you can, some, some people say, you know, you can tell so many lies that you forget which one you told the who, and then you start mixing them up, right? That's why it's better to tell the truth all the time, right? But, but the reality of the matter is your tongue, your tongue will reveal what's in you. Amen. And so we're going to, we're going to begin here in verse number five, James three said, even so the tongue is a little member and boasted great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. See, the tongue's a fire starter. You can stir up a mess with your mouth. You can stir up, look, you can get yourself in a bind. You can put other people in a bind. You can start wars. You can start all kinds of issues when, when you say certain things. The, the tongue is a fire starter. Sometimes we know if I say that, they're gonna get they're gonna get set off, and then you say it anyways, right? Well, the the tongue is that fire starter. It 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 goes and does and accomplishes things, and it kindles emotions. The tongue is the fire starter, and so whenever you're looking at uh, our lives and the way that we operate, you know that. The tongue, like I said earlier, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the, the tongue is going to reveal and allow out of your heart those things that you're harboring. Those things that you're harboring. And those things that you're harboring, if you're not putting them at the altar, if you're not praying over those things, if you're not pleading the blood over those things, those things will come out and look, they'll cause damage. You know, sometimes you can say something to somebody and crush their spirit, and then you can say you're sorry, but you know what? They've got a wound. They've got a gaping wound. It, and, and, and it's not good to be offended, no. But you can't, you can't tell somebody they need to get over it. They have to work that out. You've already done your damage, and you've walked away, and now they're suffering the consequence. And then you look behind, and you say, well, get up. Get over it. I said I was sorry. Well, you know what? They've got to process that wound. They've got to receive healing from the Lord. They've got to go to the Lord and get that bomb from Gilead. They have to get that heart repaired. You know, that's the amazing thing about God. He's our healer. And he does heal those wounds. And he's the only one that can heal those wounds. 
But don't ever, don't, don't look small on the matter that you're, with your tongue, you can do damage to people. The Bible says in Proverbs that in the, in the tongue, right, is the power of what? Life and death. And if you've ever heard a money preacher, you've heard that said. But what it actually means is that you can cause damage or you can encourage somebody. You, you, can, bring, you can bring happiness or you can bring sadness to somebody just by your words. Just by your words. Amen. And so the tongue is a fire starter. It says that the last part of verse five, it says how, uh, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. You know, you can start a little bit, you can start with a little bitty kindling in your fire and you just keep putting on wood. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Amen. So you might, you might've started a conversation with just a small sentence a small slight of words a small uh, you think you're gonna do that who do you think you are you, just a small thing like that can cause a great big fire the analogy here is that you can start fires with your tongue so there's a there's a danger there's a danger there because a, a, as the people of God we're we're not called to do that we're not called to destroy people with our words so in verse 6, he, uh, the Bible says, In the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. Well, I didn't mean it that bad. I didn't mean it. I, I didn't mean it that bad, but the Bible says that your tongue can defile your whole body. In other, in, in, in other words, you know what? You can get ivory soap and clean the whole body, but your mouth still defile you. You listen to this. You can have a squeaky clean appearance, but your mouth destroy your character. You hear? You, 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 can, you can have everything together on the outside. You can have the tie, and you can have the, the jacket. You can have the squeaky clean appearance. You can um, dot every I and cross every T as far as religion is concerned. But with your mouth, when you destroy people, and you destroy lives, and you slander, and you gossip, and you backbite, or you discourage, or whatever it may be, you defile everything else you've done. You see, that with that tongue, you can defile the whole thing. It, it, it's, it's not a little matter. It's not a, oh, I didn't mean it, or I didn't mean it that bad. But with the tongue, you actually will destroy the character that you say that you have. You got to listen to that. With the tongue, you can destroy the character you say. You, even uh, ministers, you Laymen, elders, anybody, in any relationship that we're in, we can put on the persona of caring about somebody, of doing the right thing, doing the right thing over and over and over, but using those words, right, to destroy. And what happens is it defiles the whole thing. It says that it defiles the whole body. You might say, Brother Kenny, come on now. It's the tongue. It's just some word. It's just a, a sentence somebody gives in the, the heat of the moment. But in that heat of the moment, truth is known. In, in, the, in the heat of the moment, reality sets in. In the heat of the moment, the, 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 the truth is revealed. And what happens is when it's an ugly truth, it defiles all that you are, the whole 
body. So you might say, hey, it's just the tongue, it's just a word here or a word there, but I want you to know it's so important because it can defile all that you are. In other words, you, you, you might be, you, you might talk the talk on Sunday, but if you talk the Monday talk, it disqualifies your Sunday walk. You see, you hear what I'm saying? With the tongue, you can defile the whole body. And look, it says that, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. You see, the fire that the tongue starts is not just a gentle fire. It says it's the fire of hell. That means that the things that come out of our mouths can come directly from a direct line, a bungee cord from hell. You, 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 can, you can just as easily get lined up with hellfire and, and breathe destruction into people's lives as quickly as, you can, as quickly as you can get lined up with heaven and bring life to their situation. You, just as quickly as you can bring a word of encouragement, you can do something and tear somebody apart. You, you know that it, it takes years for somebody to build their character, but people can destroy it in a matter of days with gossip and backbiting and slander. People can, people can for years live for God, can years do the right thing, years go against the grain and live for God and do what they're called to do, and yet in a matter of hours or even days, a, a group of people can destroy what that person has lived for, their integrity, right? Can destroy it. Now, in reality, they can't destroy it because that person's integrity is between them and God, but they can destroy their character with others, can't they? Yes, oh, 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 rotten so-and-so. Oh, no good so-and-so. Just in a matter of moments, we can line ourselves up, it says here, with the fire of hell. That's the fire that can come out of the tongue. That's why it's so important, listen, to be surrendered to the Lord. Because if you're not surrendered to the Lord, the enemy definitely wants to use you for a moment. You might say, well, you know, I mean, I just let my guard down for a minute. You know, the enemy's just circling around each one of us hour after hour, moment after moment, waiting for that one crack in the armor, that one chink in the armor, that one time where you let your guard down, where you're not fighting the good fight of faith. And in that moment, if you allow him, he will use you to, to bring hellfire into somebody else's life. In that one moment, you, you can get caught up. You get somebody that's tearing down somebody else in one moment when you're not, how many of you know when, when you're not where you need to be? You hear somebody tearing somebody else down and you just join in. Oh, yeah, I saw them. Oh, yeah, they, they did this, they did that, they did this. And you can just heap that fire of hell, amen, out there. And what happens is, it, it defiles your life. It brings a defilement into your life. And then we wonder why our prayers aren't answered. Then we wonder why God doesn't move in our churches. Then we wonder why our families are the way that, we are, they, that they are. We wonder why there's no power of God at work in our life. We wonder why, you know, I, I, I do this and I do that. But you know what? You allow the enemy to use your mouth. You see, the enemy, the, the devil is is the accuser of the brethren. 
He's been a slanderer from the beginning. You, you can see that in the life of Job, right? He's been a slanderer from the beginning. And the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So he's day and night accusing us to God. Day and night accusing, 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 accusing. And then you allow him to use your mouth to do the same thing here. And to sow damage into people's lives. I want you to know that one of the times that, that we are the most vulnerable is those times that we're either A, not filled with the Holy Ghost, and B, or B, offended. If you're not, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you, you really are just waiting for issues to rise. In, in, in the second breath, it's when you're offended, when, you're, when you've been offended about something or maybe you got passed over for a position, maybe they didn't like you, maybe they didn't thank you, maybe somebody didn't pick you, maybe uh, you thought you know, one thing was gonna go one way and they chose to go with somebody else or whatever, and you get offended, you open yourself up to a, you're in a vulnerable place. Offense is one of the places that the devil loves to get into it, it, that offense. It's, it's a dangerous place. This is why Jesus said it's better. It's better for somebody to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown in than, than to offend one of his little ones. It's how important it is to the Lord. You might think, well, that don't sound like the Jesus I heard about in Sunday school. <laughs> well, you need to read the Bible in Sunday school, right? Because Jesus said, it's better for you to drown than to offend somebody. I mean, that's serious. That's, that's not the meek and mild Jesus. That's the truth. That's the reality. That, that, that's where the rubber meets the road. And he said, it's better for you to drown than offend somebody else. Because if you cause them to stumble, you're going to be in a heap of trouble on judgment day. You might say, well, I tithed and I gave, all, I gave half of all that I own to missions and I tithed and I never missed church. Yeah, but you walked around and you offended everyone around you and caused them to stumble or caused them to fall or caused them to be discouraged, caused them to lose hope, caused them to lose faith. And you know what? Jesus said it's better for you to drown than offend one. Amen. Amen. It's serious stuff. It's serious stuff. This is, um, this, this fire, it's birthed from a place of evil. And you know what? You know what? There's one thing about hell. Hell's never satisfied. The Bible says hell's never satisfied. You know, whenever you get into that place where you begin destroying somebody's character, you begin uh, allowing your mouth to speak things that it shouldn't speak, and you begin to get into that place, you know what will happen? You'll want to do it more and more and more and more. It's like any sin. It, 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 there's always that allure, and you always want to get back in it. It, t it makes the flesh feel better for a moment. It's like a drug, and then, then you sober back up, and you need another fix. Then you gotta go to then you gotta go destroy somebody else. And you gotta find that friend that you can gossip with or find that person that you can destroy with your words so that your flesh can feel better. That's what happens. Hell's never satisfied, and neither is a gossiper or a slanderer. The only time that's gonna change is when that person gets changed by God. 
The only time that changes is when that person gets touched by God or they get a revelation that, you know what, this is not right. I've got to get a handle on this. I've got to surrender my mouth to the Lord. I've got to surrender my life to the Lord. I have to get this off. I can't walk around and do this anymore. And if you, you know, if the Lord's convicting you right now about, about slander, backbiting, or gossiping, then you know what? The best thing we can do is ask for forgiveness right now and move forward with the right foot. Amen? So the tongue can defile the whole body, and, 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 and the spirit of it is birthed from hell. From, it's set on fire of hell. It's amazing how that says that in the Bible. The, the things that the tongue can do is birthed from hell. You, you, you can um, do more damage with your tongue than, than a lot of people will encounter in a lifetime. Amen? You can. Um, let's look over at the, the next part. Um, let's go over to verse number 9. Let's start with verse 8. It says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You see, you can't handle it on your own. If you're not right with God and you're not surrendered, you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, your mouth will rule you. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth produced, proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And what he's saying here is, if in one breath you're glorifying the Father, but in another breath you're destroying people that the Father made, then in reality, blessing and cursing is coming out of the same fountain. It's like salt water and fresh water coming out of the same brook. Like dirty water and clean water coming out of the same faucet. It, it, when, when, when you got bad water, they tell you to boil your water. They don't say you only got to boil half of it. They don't say that. Why? Because if, if the water's contaminated, the whole thing's contaminated. But if the water's clean, the whole thing's clean. It's just like your vessel. It doesn't go blessing and curse out of the same vessel. And the tongue doesn't speak blessing and curse. If in one breath you can sing and, and worship God and sing holy, 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 and then you walk around and you just tear down every person that God made, James is saying the, what's coming out of you are two different things. Two different things are coming out of the same fountain. You know what that means? You know what that means? That means there's some hypocritical things going on in our lives. That means that we're acting one way around certain people and another way around a different kind of people. That, that, that means that, that when we're around uh, people and, and the blessings going, then we're joining in, but when the cursing's going, we're joining in that one too. Double-minded, that's right. That's a theme throughout James is a double-minded person. They're unstable in all their ways. And whenever you get around somebody who, who is breathing out cursings and blessings, you know that person is not trustworthy. Right? That person is not trustworthy, are they? Look what he says in verse 11. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? 
look, you know what? It's one or the other. You, you, you cannot allow your mouth to tear down people and praise God at the same time. You have to choose whether you're going to be sweet water or bitter. Amen? And, and you know what? If, if, what you, if what's coming out of you is bitter water and, and you, you're like, Pastor, I got, a, I got a problem right here because you know what? If people wasn't so sorry, I wouldn't tear them down with my mouth. Well, you know what? That, that tells you right there, but that's a bitter stream coming out, and that means that you've walked in the waters of offense, doesn't it? That means something has gone on wrong, and that's when you need to go to those altars. That's when you need to get back in that, in that closet of prayer. That's when you need to get back into your secret place, and you don't have to Facebook Live when you go into your closet of prayer. When, when you go into the closet of prayer, Jesus said, shut the door behind you. He didn't say, turn on Facebook Live. You, you can go into that closet of prayer where it's just you and God, and you can get things right. You can say, you know what, Lord? I've, I've been sorry to everybody else. I, every time I look around, I, all I see is, is what's wrong. Lord, this shouldn't be. This shouldn't be. I shouldn't look around scrutinizing everybody. I should look around trying to bless everybody, trying to help them know you more, that they can see your glory, that they can draw closer to you. But I'm so negative right now. I'm, I'm in the wrong stream, and Lord, I need help. And the, the beautiful thing about that is, like I said, you don't have to Facebook Live it, but you'll get, you'll get better results from that prayer than if you get 1,000 likes on your prayer on, on Facebook. You'll get better results with a prayer like that because it comes from the heart. You're being real with God and nobody else knows it. It's just you and him and it's a desire on your, on your part to not walk in bitterness. See, bitterness is a result of offense. Anybody that's been bitter has been offended. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. You, you get around a dog that's been whooped or a dog that has a broken leg or something like that, and you try to pet it, he's going to bite you. He's going to bite you, and that's what a lot of Christians are today. They've been wounded. They've been, they're walking around like a beat dog or like a broken, got a broken leg, and whenever somebody gets around them and tries to get around them, they bite them. Bite them. And then they're going to sing praises to the Lord, and then keep on biting people. You know what? First, let's get healed. Let's go to those altars and get that bitter water touched by the Lord. The only, place that that, the only place that that bitterness can get drawn out is at Calvary. The only place that any, anybody has ever been changed is when they've surrendered to what the Lord does at Calvary. That's the only place that God works. That's the only place where God meets us is when we come to the end of self and we come to the fullness of what he did for us, and that's Calvary. That's the only way, place God, that's the place of transaction. If God's going to make a transaction with a person, it's because they went to the Calvary. And so this bitterness, like I said, it, it, it'll defile. This is the amazing thing. Like you saw that verse earlier. This bitterness can defile the whole thing. You, you can let one situation test you and cause you to stumble, right? I want you to know if you're, if you're in a situation right now and it's not the way you want it to be, don't get offended. Go deeper in prayer. You get offended, you're going to get bitter, and you're going to say or do something you don't want to do. And, and I don't know anybody that's not in some kind of a situation that they wish was a little bit different. Right? 
So it, in, in Luke, it's not that when you're, when you're born again, when you're spirit-filled, it's not that you don't have problems. It's that you can deal with them in a godly way. Is that you can walk on your high places, not under them. You, you're going to walk on them. And, and that's what Habakkuk says is you, you got high places in your life, but God's going to enable you to walk on top of the high places. That's what God does for us. He doesn't cancel. He doesn't give you detours around hard times. He gives you the power to go through them. He gives you the power to walk over those things that used to defeat you. He gives you the ability to walk in victory. Amen. That's what's amazing. We, we, we discount victory so much. That's why we don't sing it no more. We don't sing it no more because we don't have it no more. Right? That's why, people, that's why churches don't sing about victory anymore because they don't have it no more. Because we'd rather make a detour around problems and walk in victory through them. Because it takes faith. Look, it don't take faith to go on a detour around your problem. It don't. You, you, you see road construction on somewhere and they get detours. You go all the way around it. But you know what God does? He takes you right through it. He takes you right through it. He takes you through the Red Sea, right? So you can get on the other side and then you can look back and be like, man, look what God did. This is what, this is what God told Israel to do. Look back and look what the Lord has done. Thank the Lord for what he's done all throughout Psalms. That's what they said. Look what the Lord has done. And so the Lord is saying here in this passage that a fountain cannot send forth sweet water and bitter. Yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about, it don't work that way, does it? It don't work that way. Keep your finger there. Let's turn over to 1 John real quick. 1 John chapter 1. You cannot... Bless and curse with the same mouth. No fountain can send forth sweet water and bitter. It's a great illustration of a powerful truth. But you know what? In our lives, in our own lives, even when you go past the issue of the tongue, some people's lives change like a chameleon. Some people, when they're around Christians, act like a Christian. And then when they're around worldly folk, they act like worldly folk. It's the same principle that the Lord sees. And he's saying, you know what? You can't, you can't allow the, out of the same mouth sweet water and bitter. Well, the same life can't be godly and ungodly. It's got to be one or the other. It, it, and, and so like a chameleon, we have Christians in hiding. We have Christian chameleons. They blend into whatever situation they're in. They blend into their environment. Instead of standing out like a bright light, instead of standing strong, instead of letting the light of God shine, they blend in rather than stand out. Christian chameleons. And, and so God has never called us to blend into the situation. He's called you to be who you are. Look at Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego. You know how easily they could have blended into the situation? Oh, just bow down. It's just for a minute. We're sticking out like a sore thumb. Come on. Come on, buddy. You know, if you bow down, I'll bow down too. We're we sticking out like a sore thumb. They're looking at us. Come on. They're they about to single us out. I mean, we're going to look like fools. They're going to drag us up to the king. They, they, there's no telling what they're going to do to us. Let's just bow down just for a minute. And then, and then we'll repent of it. We'll tell the Lord we're sorry. 
But you know what? They couldn't do it. There wasn't two different fountains in them. They only had one fountain. They was only drinking from who they was in God. They didn't really care what people thought about them. They cared more about what God thought about them. They weren't chameleons. They didn't blend into the situation. They didn't blend into the environment. They were who they were no matter where they were. They were who they were no matter where they were. They were not Christian chameleons. And so, but the, but the reality of the matter is we have a lot of Christian chameleons in the church world today. It's reality. Sometimes we can look at our own lives and be like, yeah, I was a chameleon back then or I was a chameleon yesterday. I was a chameleon last year. There was a time in my life I didn't stand out. I blended in. You know what? God's calling you to a higher place. If you're hearing this message, God's calling you to a higher place. God's calling you to a deeper walk. God's calling you to reality. God's calling you and speaking truth to you. You know the reason that truth comes? The reason that truth comes is so that you can have what? Liberty. Liberty. The truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. God gives you the truth so that you can walk in liberty and freedom. So you don't have to be bound up. You don't have to play pretend anymore. You can have the reality of the walk instead of just the talk. Come on. How many of y'all want the reality of the walk, not just the talk? It don't take a whole lot for somebody to talk the talk on Sunday. Look at this verse number six. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, it says, If we say, if we say that we have fellowship with him, who's him? With Jesus, right? If we say we have fellowship with Jesus, if we say we have fellowship with him, guess what? And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You know why the Lord says this verse? You know why he put it in there? Because there's going to be people in our lives Lord forbid it's one of us, right? Lord forbid, you know, it could be one. But you know what? There's times that people will say they know God and walk in darkness. In other words, they're going to say the Christian words but live a worldly life. And God, and, and God says when people are like that, they don't know the truth. They don't know the truth. They, these are the people you got to pray for. These are the people you got to pray for. You don't damn them to hell. God didn't tell you to do that. God does that on judgment day. You don't do that. But what you do is you pray for them because if they don't get that right, they might end up in hell one day. So you've got to pray for them. You've got to intercede for them. You've got to say, Lord, open their eyes. Lord, help them see that they can't continue to go down this road of living one way Amen, on Sunday and another way on Monday, but God has called us, if we say we have fellowship with him, to walk in the light, to walk in the light. If somebody says that they have fellowship with Jesus, but they, listen, it says walk in darkness, that's talking about sin. It's talking about somebody says that they know Jesus, but they're, uh, you know, a sodomite, homosexual, drunkard, uh, uh, adulterer, fornicator. You go down the list, liar, murder, go down the list. You, if you want to know where the list is, it's 1 Corinthians 6. That's one of the big ones. I, heard, I, heard, I just felt somebody say, well, what list? 
<laughs> I know it don't get preached anymore, right? I know it, but it's in 1 Corinthians 6. <laughs> but here's the reality of the matter, is that there are people that will talk the talk, and this is why you've got to have discernment. You've got to have discernment because not everybody that says the right thing lives the right life. You've got to have discernment. If you don't have discernment, you, you're going to get, you're going to, you know, go down a road that the Lord didn't intend for you to go down. That was one thing, you know, I heard the Lord saying is that not every, not every open door is meant for you to go in. Not every open door is meant for you to go in. There's times you've got to ask the Lord for discernment. You've got to know, amen. You've got to know. And, and, and how do you get discernment? How do you get discernment if you're not praying? How are you going to get discernment if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost? How are you going to get discernment if, if you're not intimate with the Lord? How are you going to get discernment if, if, if you don't know God? Now, move down to, to chapter 2 in verse number 4. Chapter 2, verse number 4. We're going to read a couple out of chapter 2 real quick. It says, he, he that saith, I know him. I, I can hear that right now. Can you hear that? I know him. Everybody, I know him. He that says, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. What are his commandments? Look at the epistles. The epistles are the commandments to the church. You, you look through the epistles, and if somebody's life don't line up with those epistles, they're a liar, and the truth's not in them. That's what he's saying. So, so, so the reality is somebody can say whatever they want to say. They can say, I know him. I just, I know him. But if they don't do what God says to do, if they don't love, if they don't love the way God said to love, they're liars. If they're drunkards or homosexuals or whatever the case may be, if they say they know him, but they walk in darkness and they do not obey the commandments, he said they're a liar. The truth's not in them. Here's, here's the reality. People can say anything. But just like, with, just like James said, the tongue reveals the truth. And, and in, in our lives, we can say whatever we want to say, but the way that we live our life tells a different story sometimes, sadly. And so what the Lord is speaking of here is being whole. This is, what the, this is about being whole. It's about not having a, a, a separated life. I, I preached a message one time about um, an undercover Christian. God never called you to be an undercover Christian. You th if you think about it, he's like a, a superhero, right, that has a secret identity that he don't let anybody know. And this is how many Christians live. In the church world, they let, their, they let the, the truth about, you know, and then when they walk out the church doors, they, they undercover. I'm, not, I'm going to be Clark Kent out in the world but I'll be Superman in church. I'm going to do backflips. I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to give prop. I'm going to soar. I'm going to let my shout out. But then when I walk out the doors, I'm going to put on my Clark Kent glasses. I'm going to blend in, right? But God doesn't want us to blend into the world. God did not call us to blend into the world. The salt that has lost its savor is good for nothing. 
God has not called you to blend in. God's called you to stand out just like salt, just like light. You don't take that light and hide it under a bushel. Amen. No. In Sunday school. This little light of mine, we're going to let it shine. We're not going to hide it under a bushel. Right? Amen. And move, uh, move, move with me to, uh, let's go down to verse Let's, let's do six and then we'll do nine. Same chapter, chapter two. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? You notice that these are all about people saying that they know Jesus or they abide in Jesus or they have fellowship with Jesus. John is going over and over and over so he's telling you don't just take surface value. You can't just take surface value. You have to evaluate or discern the way somebody lives or their, the, what their character is. And he's saying somebody that, that, that says that they abide in the, in the Lord but doesn't walk like the Lord walked, you're not right. This is somebody who's out for revenge, somebody who's offended, somebody who, uh, you know, maybe bound with this or that but the reality is if you just look and evaluate things by love john wesley whenever you look at the fruit of the spirit and anytime you're discerning you always go to the fruit of the spirit this is the fruit of the spirit is the evidence right that god's at work in somebody's life and look and john wesley said that first one love remember how many of y'all know the fruit of the spirit galatians 5 love joy peace he said love was first because it's primary and it it is produced in every single one of the other fruits. You can't walk in peace if you don't have love. You can't have joy if you don't have love. So if you look at love, just, just go to love, and you can see a whole lot by the way people treat those that don't like them. By those that don't like them. You, you know what will test your character is when you find out people don't like you. Because Jesus said you're supposed to pray for them. What about when people overlook you? What about when people despitefully, listen, what about, what did Jesus say to, about when you get despitefully used? You know what it's like to be used? What about despitefully used? That's serious. That's when somebody's low down and dirty. And that's when you got to make sure, right, your flesh don't rise up. Be like, you, you, I've got some low down dirty for you, buddy. Jesus said that when people use you like that, you're supposed to pray for them. You're supposed to love them. You're supposed to intercede for them. You're supposed to walk in forgiveness to them. You're not supposed to harbor that because that resentment will eat at you. That resentment will destroy the integrity of your walk with God. If you hold on to that bitterness, you hold on to that offense, it'll cause you to live a hypocritical life with God. It will rob you of the power of God in your life. It'll rob you of the value of what God can do for you. If you're, if you would rather hold on to bitterness than hold on to the spirit of God, then you're going to live a hypocritical life in the faith and you're not going to have that fullness that God has for you. So at some point in time, when you get into those situations, when you get in a, a situation where it's possible, you may get offended. You get passed over. Somebody don't like you. Somebody talks about you. Somebody uh, gossips about you, slanders about you. Maybe they took your parking spot at church. I don't know. 
But whenever you get into a situation like this, and it's, it's an opportunity. How many of you know what it smells like, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's when your flesh starts rising before you can start thinking. They don't like me. What I do to them? Well, see if I say hi to them again. This kind of thing, that's, that's that flesh beginning to rise up. And, and in those moments when, when we have that opportunity to, to harbor resentment and to harbor those hard feelings and to harbor bitterness, that's when we've got to come to that place and say, you know what, though? I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than anything on this earth. I would rather have the power of God than a form of it. I'd rather have the reality of who God is in my life than walk around like a hypocrite not knowing the reality of who God is and what he can do in my life. I, I, I would rather have Jesus than offense. And sometimes we have to get to that place where we make a choice. Sometimes we got to get there. And you know what? My, uh, my grandma used to say this. You can get happy in the same britches you got mad in. And you know, the reality of the matter is, 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 is we can take our issues to the throne of God, no matter what they are. And, and the circumstance may not change, but God can change us in the circumstance. That's the power of God at work in somebody's life. God can change you. God will give you a new heart. God will open up your eyes. God will give you compassion on people. God will give you a new desire to pray for them and love them even when they hate you or use you or like Jesus, he was betrayed Remember what he said on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's love. That's a desire to not hold on to bitterness. And, and look, the circumstance didn't change, did it? He still was on the cross. Even when he said that, he was still on the cross. But he didn't allow bitterness, just like that vinegar, he didn't allow that in him did he? He remained pure. And so a lot of times in our lives, we get presented with these opportunities to get bitter and, and to grow mad and angry at how somebody's done us and how they forgot about us. And you know what? All I've done for them and they can't do this for me. And you know, I've been there for them. I listened to them. I've done that. And they, they go this way. They do that, right? You go down that whole road. And, and, and you've got to make that choice whether you'd rather hold on to that bitter cup whether you'd hold on to that bitter cup or hold on to Jesus' feet. Because you're not going to be able to hold both. You, you, do you honestly think you can hold on to bitterness and the feet of Jesus at the same time? You can't. You can't. God's calling you to a deeper place right now. God's calling you to a deeper place and he's going to open up your eyes and he's going to give you a new heart. He's going to give you a new, new eyes to see the situation. Amen. Let's flip back over to James chapter 1 real quick. J I'm sorry, James chapter 3. That's where we were. If you remember, we, we stopped in verse 11. It says, does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? You, do you see now that you can't live both ways? You see now you can't live both ways? You can't hold on to bitterness and Jesus at the same time? You got to make a choice. How many of y'all want to choose sweet water? 
I'm not talking about the city. I'm talking about the spirit. How many of y'all want the sweet water? I've had enough of the bitter. I've had enough of the bitter. Amen. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want that spirit of God. I want that sweet spirit. Now look what he says. Let's, let's continue in this. Just a couple more verses. Can the fig tree, my brethren, notice that he's calling them brethren. Just a reminder, he's writing this to the church because these are issues that happen in the church world. You might be like, Pastor, why are you always talking about the church? That's who the letter's written to. Can't be telling somebody that's in the world to not be bitter. That's all they got. It's the church world. If we, if we turn the light on in the church, people in the darkness can see the light. So he says, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries or either a vine figs? So, listen, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So, so you might have been, been saying, well, yeah, but you know, sometimes it's going to flow sweet. Sometimes it's going to flow bitter. Look what he says. He says, no one can do that. He said, no one can do that. No fountain can yield both. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. Look at this next verse. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. And you might be like, that verse don't really sound like it's, it belongs in that same passage. It's kind of a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Well, if you, if you go back and read the context of James, James is saying if anybody don't have wisdom, let him ask of God because God gives liberally, right? And then, and then right behind that, God says, but don't be double-minded because a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. And let him not think that God's going to answer that prayer, right? The whole, the whole context of James is about the wisdom of God. And, and so here in this place, he's talking about you can't, you can't have a fountain flow bitter and sweet water both it's one or the other you can't say that you know God and walk in darkness you can't God is light and in him is no darkness there is no shadow in him right praise God for that but look what he's saying in this first say is who's wise who's wise and who has knowledge in other words, is somebody around you saying that they have the wisdom from God, that they know God, that they are acquainted with God? He's saying then let them out of their life, out of the conversation of their life, walk that out. In other words, let me say it to you like this. If somebody says they know God, listen to this. If, so, if somebody says they know God, they're going to grow in godliness. The more they know God, the more godly they're going to become. This always will be. You, you can't say that you know God and not be a godly person. That's what he's saying. He's saying if somebody says they have wisdom but they're not living it out, they're liars. You, you can't say you know God and be unwilling to live a godly life. 
Because the closer you get to the king, the closer you get to Jehovah God, the more God's going to remove the impurities in your life. The more God's going to give you, the closer you get, the more God's going to open up to you. Just a few verses later, he's going to say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's the same concept. If somebody says they know God, they're going to be godly. And the more they know God, the more godly they're going to be. And the problem is, sometimes in the church world, especially when you have chameleons, somebody can say they know God, but you can see if they don't have a godly life, right? What does that make of them, right? Makes a hypocrite saying one thing and living a different way. Look at the other way, though. You know, some people, some people, you know, will, will try to make a form of religion and not know the power of God. What is that? That's, that's Pharisee. That's empty religious. Empty religion. And so you, you get both of those. You get some people that you, they have their head in the clouds or they'll say the right thing when they get around certain people, try to get in certain groups, try to get into, I know God, I know God, I know God, and not be godly. Then you got other people that have a form of religion and not know the God of it. But God, the way God operates is the more you know God, the more godly you're going to be. God, el God will elevate you. God will take you higher. And look, it'll be like that for our whole walk with God. The, the, the more and longer and the deeper we walk with God, the more it's going to grieve us when we have things in our hearts that aren't right. When we know that we've done what we shouldn't do, the, the closer we get with God, the, the brighter the light is, the more we're going to see the specks. See, when you're further away, you don't see as much. But the closer you get to the light, you're going to see more issues. Any, anybody, anybody, you get around somebody that's walked with God, somebody that has a close walk with God, the smallest little thing will cause tears to fall. And you might say, why are they crying about that? I mean, I've done that 10 times today because they're, they've got a closer and more intimate walk with God and it grieves them. The closer your walk is, the brighter that light is, the more the specks you'll see. And so the more that somebody knows God, the more godly they're going to be. And this is a way that you can discern that and it's a way you can evaluate even yourself. See, Paul says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourselves to see if you be in the faith. This is one of those things that we're called to do. So to know God will cause godliness. Side effects. A side effect of knowing God is godliness. They should put a disclaimer on the church, right? Side effects may be love, joy, Peace, gentleness, kindness, right? Side effects may include tenderness, compassion, charity. Side effects may include, right? So to know God will cause godliness. And you might be like, Brother Kenny, you know what? I, I just, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I need to be. Well, you know what? If you're listening to this message, then you are. If you're listening to this message and you feel like in your heart, well, you know, brother, I'm not where I need to be in this area. I'm, you know, I started this message out saying, you know, sometimes people uh, pray in tongues. 
and then they gossip in English. Sweet water, bitter water, same mouth. There's a problem. There's a problem there, but nobody wants to say it. And this is just one. This is and, and, and this is just one area. I want you to know that this is just one area, because there's a lot of issues you could go down. We could be here all night talking about this. You're talking about how you know people can say one thing and do something else. But when it comes to the tongue, it 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 is a fire starter. It kindles fires. It destroys lives. And we can use it in one sentence to worship the Lord, and another sentence to tear down somebody on the worship team or somebody, you know, that took our parking spot at church or whatever. It happens. And so if, if the Lord is, is dealing with you in this area, you know, I'll, I'll just read you back in 1 John. You know, it's an amazing passage. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it's in conclusion well, look at verse number eight. He says, if, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Some, if somebody's unwilling to go to an altar, be like, what's wrong with that guy? I ain't seen him go to the altar in five years. Something wrong. Something wrong. You, you, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if, if you go out in the world, you're going to get around folks. You're going to get around situations. You're going to get involved in things. And, 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 and your prayer closet and your altars where you come back and you get back to that place where it's like, all right, Lord. When somebody says they have no sin, they deceive themselves, and the truth's not in them. However, verse number nine says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. And listen to this part and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's amazing, this word confession. The, the, the word confession, uh, if we confess our sins, that, that word is, is homo legeos. It's kind of neat word. It, it, you know, the word means logos. And, and the, the, the homo part of it is homo legeos. That means where you come along beside and you're going the same direction as. So when you confess, what you're doing is you're lining yourself up with what God's word says. You're agreeing with the word of God. That's what a confession truly is. A confession is, Lord, you're right. Lord, what you say in your word, that's the truth. And I need to line myself up to that. And I need help doing it, Lord. That's what a confession is. You can't confess something that's not true. You can't. You can't confess something that's not true. It's like somebody saying, Jesus is Lord. You can't confess it if it's not true in your life. And same thing here. Confession is when you line, when you say, Lord, this is what your word says, and this is what I've done, and I, I want to line myself up to what you say. That's a true confession. And the Bible says if you do that, he'll forgive your sins. So what he's saying is, you go to those altars, you go to your prayer closet, you get on your knees, and you get, your, you, you get those issues before the Lord. This is, and, and, and in closing, the second, second part of this, you can't confess if you don't know the Word of God. You neglect the Bible, you're gonna, sin's going to be a, a, a friend of yours. D.O. Moody, he said, that, he said uh, that book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from that book.
You, the, the more you, the more and, and closer you get with God, the more closer you're going to be in that word. Right? The sad reality is some, some, sometimes this happens. You see people leave their Bibles at church. Come once a month. Hate to say it, but probably haven't been in your Bible that month. Right? But you can't really get things right if you don't know the word of God. You can't just go based off of what you think in your head. A true confession is when you line up with what God says. And that's what God's calling all of us to do. All of us can line ourselves up more squarely with the word of God. And if we'll do that, we'll walk in a deeper fellowship with him, a deeper communion with him, and we'll see and experience the power of God like never before. We won't be like that fountain sending forth sweet and bitter at the same time. We'll be cleansed and we'll be flowing with the spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Father, we bless you tonight and we thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you that your truth, your truth makes us free.